preach to us, Pastor. We love you. Amen. Brother Brother Tony is Mr. Excitement. Amen. Uh, I don't know if this will work. This is for you to say amen once in a while if you feel led to do that. Turn to Second Peter in your Bible. And uh, I'm happy to be able to preach the Word of God this morning, but I'm very sad for to hear about your pastor. Uh, keep, please keep him in prayer. Amen. We, we need our pastors, and he's a good one. I uh, just pray God will heal him up quickly. And uh, I'm sure you'll be glad to have him back here. Uh, I'd like to just be a help. I'm an evangelist now. Uh, a few of you know me, but I pastored for many years. I've been in the ministry 43 years, so I'm old. Amen. Yeah. But uh, no. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm free now to get out and preach around different churches. God called me to write some books, so I'm in the process of doing that. Uh, the church I pastored was able to be taken over by one of our young men who went to our Christian school, and then he went to Bible college five years and came back and worked there, and then just eventually took over the church, doing a great job in Silver Springs at Faith Baptist Church. So uh, good to see friends here. Uh, I love you all. And uh, Anyway, uh, I don't take it lightly to preach the Word of God. I've been preaching 43 years, and I get nervous every time. I still want God's help fully. I don't want to preach in my power. And my goal was always to just teach the Word clear enough to where you could make a decision knowing what's what God has presented to you. So I'm hoping today we can all grow a little bit. This is not a profound sermon, but it's a, an important one. And uh, we'll get into it right now. And you, well, you're going to see an order that God has in, for a sequence for us to be growing. And that order is important to understand. And it's an order we a list we need to be working at. So uh, let's turn to Second Peter chapter 1. We'll read the first verse and then I'll pray. Amen. Uh, it says here, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And let me pray. Heavenly Father, just pray this morning that you'd use me. Have your Holy Spirit work through me, Lord. Let there be none of me, but all of you. Uh, help the people to see in your word, to see you, and to see your teachings, Lord, that you have for us. So I ask you now just to bless you. Let there be a sweet spirit in this place. Help us be willing to make decisions if something's laid on our heart. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we see in First Peter here, uh, in verse 2, it says this, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So grace and peace, he wants multiplied to you, but it's going to come through the knowledge of our Lord. Amen. That's a key verse to see, a key phrase to see here. It says, according, in verse 3, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Again, through the knowledge of him, okay, that has called us to glory and virtue. We as God's children have been called to glory and virtue. We're going to look at virtue in just a minute. And we're going to be glorified one day. Amen? amen? How many would like a new body now? Yeah, amen. <laughs> uh, me too. I'm, I'm 70 now and I'm beginning to hurt a good bit. Amen? Some of you got me by a few years already. So you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, in verse 3, it says an amazing thing. According to his divine power, he's given us 
All things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given us everything we need to have to live godly. Amen? And he's going to give us a list here of things to how to become more and more godly in our Christian lives. I'm going to show you that that's God's plan for our lives. Amen? And it's a good thing. The more, the more Christ-like we become, uh, the better we're going to be off when we see the Lord in heaven. Amen? So God has given us all these things and through the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. But I want you to especially see that he's called us to glory and to virtue. We've got a calling, amen? And we need to take heed to what God has called us to do. We're God's children and we need to listen to that. Verse 4 is amazing. It says, whereby this knowledge of God and the things he's given us, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This verse is amazing. When you get saved, you're born of the Spirit of God, and you become a child of God, and God is divine. Amen? He's divinity. He's God. And we partake of the divine nature. We, you, you were born from the line of Adam with a human nature. Amen? When you get saved, you take on a new nature. You're a new creation. And you take on the divine nature. And that's a wonderful thing. The only problem is I still have the old nature. Amen. Amen. And the great battle of the Christian life is these two natures competing for control of our soul. Amen. And we need to see what he's got coming up for us. Uh, And I'll say this again. He's given us everything we need to combat that old nature. He's given us everything we need to be able to develop the divine nature. Amen. Amen. Hold your hand there. Just go to John chapter 17, Gospel of John. And I'll show you wonderful things, a couple of things there that God has for us. John chapter 17. If you have it, say amen. 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 Okay, I don't know. Uh, he doesn't have all the scriptures up. He uh, will put up Second uh, Peter, I think, for us when I get there. But uh, John 17, verse number 17. It says, by the way, John chapter 17, the whole chapter is the Lord's Prayer. We've been taught our whole lives the Lord's Prayer is our Father which art in heaven. That's the prayer Jesus taught you to pray. <laughs> they, they got them named backwards. This is the prayer that the Lord prayed. <laughs> this is the Lord's Prayer. And it's an amazing prayer what he says in there for us. Look at John 17. He says, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So where, where do we find truth in this world? Right here in the word of God. The word is truth. And it's supposed to separate us and set us apart for God. Verse number 20 says, uh, uh, well, let me read verse 19. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. That's the word of God, the knowledge of Christ. Therefore I pray, pray I for these, not for these alone, but for them also which shall be uh, believe on me through their word. That's us. So when Jesus was here, they, some believed on him, but we, we're down the line. And this is prayers for us too, that we come in who believe Uh, through their word, verse 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I am in thee, that they also may be one in us. So Jesus is praying that we could be one in God, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou hast givest me I give them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast loved me 
and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Jesus prayed that we could be one with God. Amen? That's the union of our spirit with the Holy Spirit. And we partake of his divine nature. Excuse me, I have the uh, good old winter drainage. Amen? Amen. Yeah, and, and when we get saved, we partake of that divine nature, his spirit, and we're in union with the spirit of God. That spirit of God indwells us. Amen? He says it this way, as many as received him, to then gave he power to become the sons of God. We are God's children. Amen? I want you to Go to the book of Romans. Our main sermon is in Peter, but one more verse. Romans chapter 8. This verse we're going to look at now is a foundational verse. This is a verse that governs, should govern our thinking as Christians, as children of God. There are certain verses that are absolutely foundational to the Christian life. And this is one of them. God's going to tell us his plan for his children. Everybody got Romans chapter 8, verse 29? says this, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Uh, it says there that God planned or preplanned that we be conformed to the image of his Son. This is critical. This is what God intended. Do you realize the whole universe was made so that God could have children? Yeah, the whole, the whole reason he made it, he got everything ready. Just like when parents are expecting their first child, and the mom's pregnant, the wife's pregnant, and uh, they, they want to get the room ready. If it's a boy, they know they're going to paint the room blue, and then if it's a girl, pink. They're going to get a crib in the room. They're going to get a little mobile up there. If it's a girl, they'll have pretty little things. If it's a guy, they'll have airplanes and spaceships and stuff like that, okay? Yeah. I want you to know that God did the same thing when he was getting ready to have children. Except his bedroom was the universe. And he put stars up there for a mobile that go around, amen? Yeah, he does it big time. But he got everything ready, and when everything was done, then he made man. He got the trees and the plants and the water and animals, and then he made man. He got everything ready and then brought in his child, okay? And we were meant to be the children of God. Sin separated us. God made a plan to get us back. He sent his son into the world to pay the price for our sin. And you probably all know, those that will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ uh, can be saved. Amen? Amen? And when you get saved, you receive the Spirit of God, and you are in union with God the way Jesus prayed. I want you to know God's going to answer Jesus' prayer. <laughs> we, we are the children of God if you're saved, and you have the Spirit of God in you, and you have a divine nature. Once again, though, the problem is the old nature is still here until we go to heaven. Amen. So verse number five starts a sequence that's going to teach us how to become like Christ. We need to be working at this. This is God's plan. I, I want you to get that today. It's not just a suggestion, but God's whole intention for having children was that you grow and become Christ-like. Jesus Christ living on the earth was our example of how to be a child of God. And we need to be growing more and more like him. A, a good test for you to check yourself. I won't ask anybody to raise hands or anything, but you got to check yourself every once in a while, say, am I more Christ-like today than I was a little while ago? Or maybe I'm even backsliding a little bit. You need to check yourself. But it's God's plan that we be coming more like him. And if the more and more we become like him, the more we're going to have an effect on the world. Amen? 
So let's look at this great list now. So he says he's given us everything we need that pertains to godliness or to becoming Christ-like. And verse 5 says, And beside this, giving all diligence, that means putting an effort into it, add to your faith, that's your saving faith, virtue. So the first thing in the list here, God says, once you get saved, you need to add virtue to your life. And I wrote down some definitions here. Virtue is really uh, is you, uh, your behavior showing a high moral, moral standard. There's lots of definitions, but it deals with morals and standards, okay? So he said, once you get saved, you need to develop a high moral, moral standards, amen? Another synonym for virtue is ethics. And that's uh, uh, the principles that govern uh, a person's behavior, your moral behavior. Okay, so, so what he's saying there is when you get saved, you need to add virtue, which is a set of standards and principles that are moral. And those that means good things, amen? And what God gave us was this. This is our moral code. This is your code book. How many ever went in the military? Anybody been in the military? Remember they gave you a book? Uh, I was in the Navy and they gave me the book of how to be a sailor. Amen? How to wear my uniform. Uh, how to recognize different ranks and uh, what you're supposed to respond to and say. In other words, told you what to do and not do. Amen? And that was a book to guide us in the Navy. Well, when, you come, when you're born into God's family, he's given you a book. And this is the book of the standards and principles, the teachings, and much bigger than that, it's got promises too and everything. But this is the book we need to have to begin to grow. Say, Brother Servi, I, I have a Bible. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. But here's what I want you to get today. I've been around a long time, taught Christian school almost 40 years, while uh, sometimes full-time pastoring, also still ran the Christian schools. And I've learned that people can know the Bible's the Word of God. They might believe, they'll say, I believe it's the Word of God, but they've never adopted it to be their guide for life. We do not make decisions. I've had Christian school kids for years, and I, I'd ask them, I'd challenge the high schoolers, say, uh, have you guys adopted the Bible the principles that you're going to live by? Oh boy, their hands don't go up. Because they're wanting that world. It's a battle. Yeah, can't fool Brother Servi. I taught kids for 40 years, amen? And you're just big kids. We do the same thing that they do, okay? Now, you, you can be sitting here and say, of course I believe the Bible. But have you ever gone to God and say, Lord, I accept this as my standards and principles to live by. This is my code book. This is going to tell me what is right to do, what's moral and what's immoral, Amen. And I am going to follow your word. David prayed in Psalm 119 a lot. Show me your ways, Lord, and I'll do it. Teach me your statutes and I'll follow them. We need to pray like that. Amen. You young people, you need to do that now. Christianity is not for when you're older. It's for now. Amen. God needs some young people and there's some great young people here. Stand up for God. And you need to adopt his principles. Say, that is my guidebook for life. Well, the world's trying to brainwash you out there. The world's bombarding you with philosophies that are wrong every, everywhere you go. Amen? The TV and all those things, magazines, there's so much wrong stuff out there. You need to be careful. You need to get in this book. So look what he says next. Watch the order here. First you get saved, 
Then he says, and remember the, the command, we're supposed to conform to the image of who? Talk to me now. Yeah, to Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. Amen. We're supposed to be growing more and more and being like Jesus. Okay. And he says, once you get saved, that's your start of a child of God. Now we need to add virtue. We need to adopt uh, our code book for life. Not just know it's there, but adopt it. Then he says the next thing, add to this virtue knowledge. Well, why does he say that? Well, I got saved. Now I adopt this book as my code. Now I got to learn the book. Come on, brother, serve you. Amen. Yeah, yeah, we need to be in this book. I've All these years in the ministry, one of the saddest things I've ever seen is Christians, they've been around a long time, don't even know the promises God made to them. Can't even claim the promises because they don't know they're in there. That's sad. God's got a lot of good things for you. Amen. He's given you everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. And we need to know what it is. Why Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Well, if you don't know that's in there, you're going to run into some things you can't handle. I can handle it with Christ helping me out. Amen? And he says he'll help you. Promise after promise. The Lord's my help. We need to know what he says. We need to be like David and some of the other prophets. They used to pray back God's word. You read David praying something. They'd say, Lord, you said. (laughs) But he didn't say it disrespectfully. He's saying, Lord, you said, you promised this. And and listen, God's never going to break a promise. And God loves when you pray back his own word. First of all, it means you know it. That makes him happy. And it it means then when you pray it back and say, Lord, you said, it means you believe that he's going to do what he said. He likes that. Amen. We need to know the word. You need to add knowledge to your adopting this book for your Christian life. You need to read it constantly. But it says not just read it, it says study to show yourself approved unto God. I have a little doctrinal research center now. I'm doing research. I'm studying more now than I ever studied, and I studied a lot over the years. Amen. Man, I'm digging in there, and I want to know everything. I'm writing some books. God called me to write books, and I want to have them right. I want to, I want to understand different doctrines thoroughly. Well, we all need to do that. We need to know this book. You need to read it and then study it. That takes that takes some work. Amen. You young kids in school, you need, you need to be smart. God gave us a book that requires intelligence to learn, and He gave us a book that we, you need to read. It's not always easy reading. Uh, God expects His children to be smart. Amen. Don't go. You can't go to school and just play all day. We need to study. And then He says, meditate on the Word. Hold your hand there and go to Psalm 1 a minute and look at that with me. Psalm 1. Let me get back so I can get quick enough. I'll try to get there. I can quote it to you, but I'd like to turn there. The very first Psalm, God often puts the most critical thing first in what he teaches. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the what? Law of the Lord. That's the Bible. Amen. That's the book. And in his law does he what? Meditate day and night. And if you do that, look what it says. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. 
Amen. I, I understand that verse really well because I live in Silver Springs and there's no such thing as a tree. Amen. Yeah. Except for one place. If you want a tree, you got to go buy it and bring it in and plant it. Amen. But if there is one place. The Carson River flows through one area uh, into Lahontan uh, Reservoir. And all along that river are what? Trees, yeah. That's what God's talking about. They, they, that's where they get the nourishment from. And they prosper there. They don't prosper anywhere else. <laughs> Not unless you bring water to them. Amen? Yeah. So that's what God's teaching us. We, uh, he's, he's guaranteed you'll prosper if you meditate in the Word day and night. Joshua talked about meditate night and day in the Word. Man should always be thinking about God's principles, His moral standards, His code. The things he's taught us on how to live. Should be thinking about, in this situation, how would Christ act? We wear the little bracelets. What would Jesus do? Well, what you need to really mean, what would Jesus do? Amen? Not just the pretty colors. We need to take this into our hearts for real. We need to not just know the books here, believe the books is the Word of God. You need to adopt the Word of God. You need to then, once you do that, once you adopt it, you need to get in it and know it. Because it's what you're going to live by. Right. What's well, so sad? Well, a great preacher I was under in Bible college taught us: you should make your decisions in life ahead of time. You should know what you're going to do in certain situations ahead of time before you run into it, instead of just running into something and say, "Oh, what do I do?" And then you're liable to do the wrong thing. But if you've made decisions ahead of time, for instance, well, who am I going to marry? If you're not married, you should be ahead of time making a decision. I'm going to marry a Christian girl. Now, that hasn't, some of you may not have done it. You may have got saved later. I understand that. But if you are a Christian here, what would Jesus do? We're not supposed to be unequally yoked together. You need to make a decision ahead of time. Then you meet some girl. You, you meet a guy. He's a real hunk. Amen. And you say, oh, he's so beautiful. And yeah, but he might be a heathen. And your life is going to, Christian life is going to be ruined. Yeah, and you boys, you just meet a pretty girl and she's not saved and lives in the world. She's going to pull you away from God. You need to make a decision ahead of time. Say, yes, yeah, she's pretty, but I'm not going to go out with that girl. You say, well, I'll marry them, then they'll get saved. That doesn't happen too often. Well, I'm just saying that's just one case out of thousands. In everything you do, you should acknowledge God, the Bible says. What car you're going to buy. Don't be impulsive and don't go by feelings is what I'm saying. Live by the principles of the Word of God. And you need to know them. You need to plan decisions ahead of time. For instance, in the ministry, we were taught as young preacher boys, uh, you may start a church and be doing good, and all of a sudden, some big business thinks you've got some potential, and some big business offers you ten times the money if you'll take a job as a foreman or a leader in their business. And boy, is that tempting. When I started a church, I had no salary. Had to work. Why? So what would I do in that situation? My wise old pastor said, you make a decision ahead of time. You are never going to move away from God. Always move toward God. If you get a great job offer, but it's going to pull you out of the ministry and move you away from God, don't take it. So when those great temptations come, I already made a decision. Nope, can't take that job. I had a few of those. I was a general contractor. When I started the church, I had some good offers, amen? So I actually ran into that. I said, no way, rather serve God and starve. You know what? 
I didn't have much money, but I have never starved. I try to lose weight and I can't lose weight. I said, man, I'm telling you, God took care of us so many times. Uh, so, so here's my theme today. We're supposed to grow and conform to the image of Christ. God's provided everything we need for us. The truth here is in this book. The knowledge of God's in this book. And he says, once you get saved, add virtue, adopt this book, then learn the book. Then he says, next thing, and once you got the, the knowledge, add temperance. That's self-control. Amen? How many need self-control? Oh, good, honest church. Amen? How many have road rage? Amen? Boy, that guy cut me off. I'm going to get him. Oh, man. Yeah, Brother Tony's nodding big time. Okay. Uh, well, we need to have self-control. Amen? You don't know why that guy cut you off. He could have had bad news that day. He didn't even know what he's doing. Or he could just be mean because he's frustrated in life and he needs a, He doesn't need somebody to fight him. He needs a Christian to lead him to the Lord. Amen? And you may never get to do that in a car, but at least you don't have to add to his anger. Oh, well, the biggest need of the day... Uh, that's happening in psychology is anger management. And believe it or not, we're educators, my wife and I, my daughters teach. The biggest area of anger management is the little kids. Five, six, seven years old. Oh, my soul, they're, they're out of control in the schools. My daughter was running the library there when the Christian school says kids would walk in and just knock all the books off the shelf. Say, what are you going to do about it? I said, a little six-year-olds and anger and and the language in my soul wow we need self-control here's good news for you it's not easy to control remember the two natures i was born with that sinful nature from adam i got saved i partake of the divine nature is a new creation in me i got this battle going on and i need to grow in order to let the new man win in me amen and run my life okay yeah, but the, here's the good news. Jesus promised to help you. Say, I don't know if I can overcome some of these habits. I don't know if I can overcome my self-control sometimes. Uh, Jesus offered to help you. That's why I need to know the book. He's my help. I can do all things through Christ. What's all things? I can have self-control. Even on eating. Lord, help me with that one. Amen. Yeah, pastors have a, we're Baptist pastors have a big, problem with that amen but anyway uh god will help you with self-control and we need it you should never be out of control i had a whole list all these years of how to discipline a child well it's not right to just reach over and smack a child across the room no god's got a whole right way to train up a child the way you should go right you're supposed to sit down and talk to him and tell him that he violated some kind of principle of god supposed to be teaching him about god Disobeying his parents has violated God, not just you. Amen. Supposed to discuss it with him, talk to him, uh, ground him there a minute. Then you might have to administer a few licks. Amen. The right way, not across the face or a punch. Spank him on the fat part God made to be spanked. Amen. And do it. And there's a whole list to do it right. And we need. And then after that, you pray. And and let me t- teach you something as a man who worked with kids for his whole life youth ministries and Christian schools. When a kid gets to be about 12 or 13 years old and you consistently disciplined, you were consistent and taught them about God and did it right, they're still going to have a rebellion in them. But when they do wrong and you say, listen, you're going to get punished if you do that, 
They're going to listen to you. You know why? Not because they're afraid of the spanking. Man, when I was 13, you couldn't have hurt me with a, with a bulldozer. Okay? But you know what? They're going to stop them. They don't want to go through that 15-minute ordeal sitting there listening to you tell them they got to pray. They gotta, this is going to stop them. It's the ordeal that will stop them. Amen. Listen to the old preacher. Amen. Yeah. So we need to learn what's right from this book, how to do things. So you, you, you add virtue, adopt the book. Then you learn the book, get in that book, read it, study it, meditate on it. Add self-control now and know that God can help you. And then add patience. Notice there's an order building here. Next thing you need to learn is patience because God puts us through some trials. Amen. How many ever heard, don't pray for patience? Yeah, <laughs> we all heard that. Otherwise, God's going to put you through training. Hey, you're gonna, the way you learn patience is to go through the training, amen, and the trial and the practice. Uh, but you know what? God said to learn it. Aren't you glad Jesus was patient with people? I mean, he rebuked evil. That is, he was God in the flesh. And we need to speak up against evil. But, but uh, he was patient with people. Amen. His goal was to win them. Then so once we, now we add patience to our list. Okay, we're beginning to grow and be more like Christ. Amen. The next thing he says after patience is to add godliness. It took me a lot of years to figure out God difference between godliness and some of these other things in the Bible. But basically godliness means putting into practice the teachings of God. Putting it into practice is what it means. So, uh, did, did Jesus Christ put into practice the godly things that God would do? Sure he did. And we need to do that. Say, well, what are you, what are you talking about? Brother? Uh, some of the things God would do is be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, forgiving one another. Amen? Well, some people have a hard time forgiving. Forgiving doesn't mean you condone some evil they did. It means you forgive the person. Amen? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, the Bible says. But boy, that's killing our churches. We're always mad at somebody. Is there some bickering going on? You should never have contention with anybody. You're going to see that a little further in the list. Amen? But but uh, we need to practice godliness. Practice loving people. Practice doing good to people. Practice helping people. Make an effort. Sometimes it might be someone you don't like so much, and God may put you in a place to work with that person. You might be the one that wins them. Amen? So we need to keep growing here, keep becoming more like Christ, keep doing the work of Christ, which is evangelism. Amen? Maybe you couldn't lead some of the Lord yet. You might not know how, but you can invite him to the church, and the pastor can. Remember the woman at the well? She didn't know a whole lot of doctrine. She just went in town, got everybody, and brought them to the Lord. Amen? And a whole bunch of the people got saved because of her. So we see then the next thing you add is godliness. And then now here's the last two. Next one's a big one. Now that you've got all this down, you've adopted the book, you're learning the book, you've got self-control now, you've got patience, amen? Now you can love the brethren. Say, Brother Servi, why is that toward the end of the list? Because you need all the other stuff first to love the brethren. Amen? You guys are hard to love. Look at you. Oh, my soul. <laughs> Say, Brother Servi, you're hard to love. Look at you. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. you got a wonderful spirit here. But listen to me. It's not so everywhere. 
Christians are fighting Christians. It should never happen. You should make a decision ahead of time like that pastor taught us. Two decisions I made that he taught. I said, I will never split a church. I'm not going to have that on my name when I stand before the Lord that I split a church. I want to put churches together. I'm, I'm planting churches. I want to help churches. Amen. You should make decisions to never split a church. You can try to help fix things. If you can't, he said, then you need to leave quietly. Not cause trouble and hatred. And another thing, uh, I'm never going to cause division amongst the brethren. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to bring people back together. Amen? And you need to make those decisions ahead of time. So when some brother, and you may not know the reason why, says something hurtful, does something wrong to you, you're, you're not going to let it bother you. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You don't know what the demons are doing to him behind the scenes. You don't know what they're going through. Amen? And they're hurt. They might lash out and hurt you, and they didn't even mean to do it. Sometimes they do mean to do it, but you don't know what caused them to do that. But we're not supposed to wrestle against that. You need to have the patience and the self-control that is said to add in order to love the brethren. Amen? And I always taught this in my church. Brother Tony may remember. If a church really had the love for the brethren it ought to have, people would be busting down the door to get in the church. But most of the time they hear about troubles in the church or splits in the church. I hope that never happens here. But boy, let there be brotherly love in the church. Amen. Love the brethren. Keep that good spirit. Everybody was so friendly when I came in. And so nice. You keep that. You welcome everybody. Even if the old drunk comes in the door and he smells bad, you got to have self-control. Amen. Amen. you got to have patience with him. He might be a little rowdy, a little noisy. And you, you just put up with him. Amen. Because if it gets saved, he could be the next best preacher in the country. A lot of, that's happened in the history a lot. Uh, Billy Sunday. Man, uh, those, guys, uh, those guys did a phenomenal job winning souls in America. And he was a drunk in his young life. So we need to love the brethren. And then the last thing it says here is this. Uh, once you add brotherly love to it, then add charity. Amen? Charity. There's a whole, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, whole chapter on charity. It talks about, I almost was going to preach that today. The chapter before, 1 Corinthians 12, teaches about spiritual gifts that God gives everybody. Holy Spirit gives gifts severally as he wills, different gifts to different people to form a body that works together. Then he illustrates it. How many know 1 Corinthians 12? Just a few. Where he illustrates the body. You, know, you can't all be the eye. You need an ear in order to hear. You, you can't all be hands because you need feet. And he illustrates a real body working together and says that's how the church is supposed to be. So the Holy Spirit gives everybody different gifts and you're all supposed to use them for the edification of the body. Okay, And that's a critical and super important chapter. But at the end of the chapter, it says, and yet I'll show you a better way. So even though God gives us these gifts and have great power when we all work together, he says there's a better way, and the whole next chapter is on charity. Charity is even greater than the gifts. Because love never fails, it says. But what is charity? It's not just the word love we use sometimes, like I love my dog. Charity in the Bible is a perfect love. It's the highest love. When the Bible says God is love, it's talking about charity. It means no self, everything's outward. 
not expecting anything in return. Unconditional love. That's God. When it says God is love, it's, his love's unconditional. He loves you. He even loves the sinners. Amen. He died for us while we were yet sinners. Amen. Uh, we need to grow. You, you need all of these things in your life to become more and more Christ-like, to be able to have that kind of love. And when we have that kind of love, boy, that's the most powerful force in the universe. People can know when you have that kind of love. By the way, there's a key verse in John. John talks about, uh, Paul used the term charity a lot for this love of God. But John used it, he called it perfect love in 1 John. And the Bible says we need to grow and develop perfect love. And he said this in John, a great verse. He said, when you have perfect love, it casts out fear. Listen, I'm a little slow, even though I'm a teacher. It took me years to figure out what that meant. So what does he mean? Perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in charity love. And then one day it dawned on me, the reason there's no fear is because there's no self. If I don't exist, I don't have to be afraid. Paul said, I die daily. If I'm dead man, I can't be hurt. So many people are afraid to love because they've been hurt. We counsel a lot of people as pastors. People are afraid. Hey, someone hurt them. Amen. Well, I got news for you. God never hurt you. And when you get a love that's no longer thinking about self, I could be hurt, I this, I that. When, when you're just thinking about others, like it says in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And we're supposed to be growing like Christ, that he's others-oriented, esteem others better than yourself. Uh, a lot of things here, but not hard. It all relates to this idea that we're supposed to grow and conform to the image of Christ. We're supposed to be more and more like him. And he had perfect love. Amen? Amen. You say Christ was strong. Yeah, we're supposed to be strong. You say Christ rebuked evil. Yeah, we're supposed to fight evil. Amen? But not the person. We're supposed to win the people. Amen. That takes self-control. Yep. And we need to love the brethren because Satan's number one goal is to disrupt the unity of the brethren and break down that working together with all of your gifts because a church is powerful when everybody works together. Well, I just talked to some of the men here and a bunch of them helped remodel and help build. Amen. And uh, uh, his daughter's playing the piano and her uh, husband's leading the singing. And Brother Tony, he just goops off in church. Amen. <laughs> no, Brother Tony's faithful servant in his way. And good friend. Amen. But, and you have gifts you use and potlucks and cleaning the church. and all. When everybody's working together and there's unity, the church is powerful. And you can support missionaries with your combined money. One man can't do it all. Yeah, and, and the devil's going to try to disrupt it. You need to decide ahead, like I said, because you have knowledge of God now, that you're not going to be used to do that. So what do you do? We preachers say this, when somebody slanders us and attacks us, happens all the time, we, we say you just eat it. Just eat it. Amen. Well, I'm a dead man. It can't hurt me. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. One of my daughters adopted that for her life verse. What a great verse, amen. Nothing shall offend me. Some guy does that to me, I just think, or some lady, I think, oh, they're hurting. They didn't understand. Devil's working on them. Whatever. Could be a hundred reasons why they did it. But I'm going to love them, amen. And for the cause of Christ, you can do that. Amen. 
for Christ's sake, we can do it. Amen? And the more you become like Christ, you'll do it for Christ's sake. Amen? Am I doing any good? Amen. Amen. Take a good look at this list. Let me read the last parts now. Verse 8 says, For if these things that we just talked about be in you and abound, you're really putting them to practice, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means in the serving of the Lord Jesus Christ, living the Christian life, you'll be fruitful if you put this into practice. Amen. That's a promise. You, you, you start working on this diligently, like it says diligently, and then when you pray and you're having trouble, say, Lord, you said that I would be fruitful. I'd be, be able to be, have blessings for the church and for the people around me. Amen? Verse 9 says this, the opposite, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wow. So don't forget these things. Keep them in your memory. Verse 10, last one. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence, again that word, to make your calling and election sure. It doesn't mean make sure you're saved. It means make sure the next part of the verse says, if you do these things, you shall never fall. In other words, he's saying, choose between doing or not doing these things. And if you do them, you won't fall backwards. You'll be going forwards. Excuse my nose. Amen? And that's a great passage. God's given us everything we need. We just need to apply it. Amen? We're going to close now and have an invitation. Maybe you're like the first person I said, and listen to me, don't be ashamed. You need to think about it. I have found as a pastor, most people have never made a full commitment adopting of this book as their guide for life. They know about it, they believe it, but they said they've not adopted it. And then some have adopted, but we've we stopped trying to learn what it says. You need to learn every promise God made, every teaching God made, so that we can live them and grow, and then add the other things. Amen. Let's bow our heads for, for prayer.